ladies and gentlemen, young and old, welcome back to another exciting podcast message of Next Generation Youth Ministry Podcast. I am your host as always, Pastor Duquan McKnight, and I pray that each and every single one of you is having a great and a blessed day and a blessed week. And I also want to say from the bottom of my heart, even though I should have done it yesterday, but I decided to take a day off so that you all can enjoy a time of rest and fun and a great time with family and friends. Merry Christmas to each and every single one of you. And I pray that it was a blessed one and it was a time of laughter, joy, fun, good eating, giving of gifts, and also a good time to watch the NBA. And the church said, Amen. (laughs) Just kidding. But anyway, we are continuing on with the podcast series of Christmas on the Road. And today, I want us to talk about the cradle, the cross, and the crown. The cradle the cross, and the crown. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you now in the name of Jesus, Lord. We are so grateful for your spirit. Lord, we are so grateful for all that you have done for us and what you're about to do. Thank you for what you have in store for our lives. Thank you that every heart, every mind, every ear will be receptive to receive all that you have in store for us. Thank you that we will study to show ourselves approved unto you, O Lord. And thank you that your word is the hammer that breaketh the rock into many pieces. And thank you that we will rightly divide the word of truth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Not too long ago, I remember reading an article about a Methodist minister one Sunday morning, which occurred on Christmas. And it was a story a few years ago. And within the article, it told the story of this Methodist minister who was taking his entire family to church for Christmas service, which we should always do. But anyway, while he was on his way to the church, his kids kept asking him, Daddy, are you going to allow us to enjoy Christmas or are you going to explain what it's all about? We're like those children. We always raise questions within our hearts and minds is, what is Christmas really all about? You see, many have wondered what is the true meaning of Christmas. But sadly, in our world today, many have even missed the true meaning of Christmas. But I'm here to remind you, besides explaining Christmas, we must learn to enjoy it. In fact, it is one of the most memorable times of the year. In fact, Christmas, as we have looked at, was right around the corner just in the nick of time. And it came so fast. And we have to understand, too... Christmas is also a time of giving, peace, laughter, and joy. And it was on a starry night, that Christmas night, in the little humble city of Bethlehem, in which a miracle occurred. Now this night in Bethlehem was different from all other nights, because it changed all nights. In fact, it was a night that changed the course of history. It was a night that changed the hearts and lives of people and others around them. And I'm speaking, of course, about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If I was to ask you to take a survey of what are the three important symbols of Christmas, what would you say? Now, if you were to go around and ask people those questions, what would they give you as an answer? Some might say Santa Claus, gingerbread cookies, a Christmas tree. Some might say Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, ornaments, and Christmas lights. Some would say presents, some would say eggnog, and others would say an elf. And let me tell you, nothing is wrong with those elements and nothing is wrong with those symbols. But for me personally, as a born-again believer, 
I truly believe that the important three symbols of Christmas is the cradle, the cross, and the crown. Let's look at the cradle first off. Imagine the night in Bethlehem. It was on that starry, cold night in Bethlehem when the choir of angels assembled together and they cried in unity, saying, Glory to God in the highest, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. On that night, the glory of God returned to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, because he came in the person of a baby born in a box in the city of Bethlehem. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? To understand that Jesus came to the earth to be born as God incarnate in a human body. God who would walk among us. In fact, what we have to understand too is the doctrine of the virgin birth. You see, the virgin birth of Christ is one of the most fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. And is the most important one. Why is that? Because if you look in your Bibles in Isaiah 7:14, it gives us the prediction that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. And that concept is repeated later in Matthew 1, 20 through 23, and then in Luke 1, 26 through 33. Now, when I think about this, and when I read the story in Luke chapter 2 about the Augustus decree in which everybody had to return home for taxation and for registration. So Joseph, the legal father of Jesus, the husband of Mary, though she is pregnant in a virginal conception of a virgin birth, predicted by the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament, in which he said that a virgin would conceive, and he uses the word in the Hebrew, Alma, and that's the normal word for virgin, and it also describes a woman of marriageable age who is indeed a virgin. In other words, he chooses the right terms to describe the birth of Christ in advance. And Matthew, later on, Jesus' own disciple, while writing the gospel in the Greek language, will use the word parthenos, which always means a maiden, a virgin. In other words, the disciple Matthew believed that the virgin birth actually took place and it was the fulfillment of Isaiah 7, 14. What we can understand is that the infinite unlimited God took on the limitations of humanity so that he could live and die for the salvation of all who would believe in him. And another key thing is he came to earth to save us because we can't save ourselves from sin and its consequences. You see, he came to be their savior from the power and penalty of sin. Think of it. God stepped into the human race as a baby born in a box because he loves us and he cares and he wants to become our savior and our redeemer. In fact, in 1 Timothy 1.15, it says that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And in 1 John 4.14, it talks about the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. How awesome of a God that we have. In fact, did you know that the Christmas story really began a thousand years before Joseph and Mary ever made the journey to Bethlehem? It was a thousand years earlier, in 1100 BC. Naomi and Ruth would make a journey from Moab, which was on the other side of the Jordan, down to Bethlehem, Naomi's hometown. It was there that Ruth would glean in the fields, trying to pick up a few scraps in order to survive, and she meets her future husband, Boaz, the wealthy man from Bethlehem, who will ultimately marry her, bring her into the family of God, and they would become the great ancestors and great-grandparents of King David. Later on, centuries later, King David, 
grew up in Bethlehem, destined to be the great king of Israel, and he became the ancestor of Jesus Christ. That's why when you read in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 1, it would start off by saying this is the book or the generation or the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And it connects Jesus back to his Old Testament roots. He is the fulfillment of all those pictures and prophecies and types of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is not divorced from the person of Jesus Christ. It's integrated totally with the person of Jesus Christ. It's literally all about him. He would say to his own disciples, if you search the scriptures, meaning the Old Testament scriptures, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, you'll discover that it is all about me, said Jesus. Did you even know, here's another fun fact, did you even know that the birthday of Jesus is celebrated by over 2 billion people each year, and the celebrations take place on or about December 25th? Now, when you look at the Gospels, they tell us a lot about the birth of Christ with one notable exception. They do not tell us the day or even the season in which Jesus was born. This has led to speculation that Jesus may have been born during the springtime of Passover in which the, Jewish in which the Jews celebrated their exodus from Egypt. There is also a speculation that Jesus may have been born in the fall of the year during the Feast of Sukkot or Tabernacles. And like Passover, this was a big, big feast that would enable Jews from Judea and Samaria to travel up to the holy city of Jerusalem. With so many travelers going back and forth, it may have explained the senses that Luke spoke about more feasible. And it would also explain the concept of why there was no room for Mary and Joseph in the end, as Jerusalem would have been surrounded with Israel's faithful pilgrims, along with the city of Bethlehem. Now, we may never know why the birthday of Jesus has been omitted from history, but we do know, however, no other birth was as important or had more impact on history. Just imagine it. As Mary hushes the cries of her infant son on that fateful night in the little city of Bethlehem, she holds in her arms the most influential person who would ever be born. She names him Yeshua, Jesus, meaning the one who saves. It was during that night in which the king of the universe was born in humble circumstances, saying to each and every single one of us, I have become a savior for all people. And, it, and the cradle represents love and forgiveness. Love was born and forgiveness was even born and offered during that Christmas night. But what about the symbols, the cross and the cradle? I mean the crown, I'm sorry. But what about the cross? What about the crown? How do they play in an important role? After this short break, we'll be right back to examine more. Please stay tuned. back for our next segment 
Now let's examine the cross. Let's examine the cross. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, while Paul would write to the church in Corinth, and as he was defending his apostleship and the cause of the gospel, and as he was defending the person and work of Christ, he reminded the church at Corinth the importance and the concept of reconciliation. And he would say this in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And you can read about the story of the atonement in one of my favorite chapters, John chapters 18 and 19. Now, many people don't even know what Christ did for them at the cross. Many people don't even understand the many people don't even understand the concept of the cross. Many people think it's just a wooden beam or a nice piece of jewelry or a nice bookmarker or a nice sticker or a nice painting on the wall. No, that's not the case. Not only do we need to have the knowledge and the importance of understanding of what Christ did for you at the cross, but we must learn to keep our eyes to Calvary. It was there on the cross that Jesus died for the sin of all humanity. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4, that the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. It only covered sin temporarily. But the blood of Jesus Christ washes us clean from sin forever. And then the writer goes on to say, Wherefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not want, but a body you have prepared for me. This passage of scripture gives us the reason why Jesus had to be born in a physical body in the first place. So why did Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, had to be born in a physical body? It was because he might offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins because the blood system of the animals could never take away sin and only covered your sin temporarily. And like I said, so shall I say again, the blood of Jesus Christ washes us clean from sin forever. When he came into the world, which we celebrate around Christmas time, he said, you didn't want another blood sacrifice or another offering, but a body you have prepared for me because in burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, you have had no pleasure. And he's quoting in the Old Testament scripture. And then the scripture says, and then the writer goes on to say, therefore, lo, I am come in the volume of the book, the Old Testament it is written of me to do thy will, O God. So what was the story of the crucifixion really all about? You see, the story of the crucifixion is to be blamed on the Jews or on the Romans or on the Italians or Germans and Americans because Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins and it was our sins that nailed him to the cross. These are merely the human players in the story. And the amazing thing is we would never remember whom Pontius Pilate was. We would never remember whom King Herod was or whom Caiaphas was. They would have been forgotten by the sands of time had their lives not integrated the real life that matters in the story. And that's the life of Jesus Christ. And he rises above the priests and the scribes and the elders. He rises above the Roman world until you yourself are fixed on one life, one man, one person who is indeed God incarnate in the human flesh. You see, it wasn't Rome, Herod, Pilate, or Caiaphas that crucified Jesus. It was you and me. Our sins sent him to the cross. Our sins put him to death. It was as though we ourselves 
as guilty sinners were standing there that day saying crucify him but yet the testimony of time remains he's innocent I find no fault in him at all we need to understand that in the plan of God all of this would fulfill the predictions that God had made in the future so why did Jesus have to die we have to understand he even knew from the very beginning of his earthly ministry that this is the reason he had come into the world. He knew he would come to die for our sins and pay the price on our behalf. And it says in Romans 5, 8, But God commanded his love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He paid the debt on our behalf. Jesus experienced the full wrath of God so that one day we could receive his blessing. You see, the cross represented man's only way to forgiveness and hope you see you can't experience forgiveness and hope through the sacraments or through the holy rosary or through or through good works that's not going to save you and help you what will save you is having a personal relationship with christ and accepting his atoning work that's why it is so important that we must keep our eyes on the cross keep your eyes on jesus christ in fact the whole month of december is all eyes on Jesus. Amen and amen. And then lastly, the crown. The crown. That's the last symbol. So we looked at the cradle, which represented love and forgiveness. We even see the cross, which represented forgiveness and hope. And now the crown, which represented the promise of his second coming to earth. One of the greatest promises found throughout the entirety of the Bible is the second coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, one out of every 30 verses that you read about deals with either the end times or his return. There are over 216 chapters of the New Testament and it contains over 300 references to his return. In fact, even though we have 27 books of the New Testament, 23 out of the 27 deals with the emphasis of his return. The only books that doesn't deal with his return is Philemon, 2nd John, 3rd John. All the other books speak about his return. We have to understand, our only hope in the world is that one day Jesus Christ is coming back. He is coming back to take us home to the Father's house. You see, the return of Christ will bring all evil to a crashing end. In Acts 1.11, it says this, The angel said to the disciples, Men of Galilee, why do you stand up gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which you have seen go into heaven, shall come again in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. In John 14, verse 1-3 says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I do, I will come and will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And Revelation 1, verses 7 through 8 says this, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and behold... All eyes shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and the world shall weep and wail and mourn because of him. Even so, amen. What a wonderful time that's going to be, where in heaven 
we will see his face on a regular basis and have an audience with him. And we will be with him for all eternity, forever and ever. So I pray right now, if you don't know Jesus Christ, today will be the greatest day for you. Why wait until the beginning of the new year to accept him? You can make him Lord and Master and Savior of your, right, of your life right now, right where you're sitting. You don't have to wait till next month, next year. Today is the only day of salvation. And if you are that person that says, I need Jesus Christ. I need to know Christ as my Savior. Or I've walked away from Him and I want to come back home. Or I want to be sure that I'm on my way to heaven. You could pray this prayer with me. With your heart and lips out loud. Remember, it's not the words that matter. It's the condition of the heart that matters. For the Bible says, For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved and delivered. So pray with me right now. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Change me. Set me free. Fill me. Use me. Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. I believe that you're risen from the dead for me, and that you're coming back again for me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost. Give me a hunger for the things of God and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am saved. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven because I got Jesus in my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Isn't that exciting to know that you're forgiven and that you're set free and that you're on your way to heaven? Glory to God. Well, that concludes it for the podcast series, Christmas on the Road. Please tune in as we continue to tackle more issues related to teen life and using the Word of God to applying it to their daily life. This is Pastor McKnight saying, I love you in the Lord. Stay tuned for more of the podcast messages and please share them with your family and friends, neighbors and co-workers and have them to tune in. Take care. God bless. Bye.